everyone remain calm. Back for more, huh? Oh, yeah. Ooh. Ah. That's how it always starts. And later there's running and, and screaming. Somebody talk to me. What is happening? Jurassic World. And now, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Jurassic Park Podcast. How long is it going to take for that to spread around the globe? This was all John Hammond's dream. <laughs> Hold on to your butt. <laughs> Seriously? Well, we're back. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 227th episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Jost, and we're here to discuss all things Jurassic Park. In today's episode, we give the Jurassic Wire the month off, but still welcome back Aaron Beyer to tackle our top five moments across the series in any medium. Now, last week we did cover our favorite things across the series, so this week I kind of wanted to narrow it down to our favorite moments. Uh, I am very excited for you to hear our choices, but I also want to hear yours as well, so be sure to reach out and let us know what are your favorite moments across the series, whether it's from films, books, the live tour, games, whatever the case may be, just let us know. And we want to use this as another opportunity to stay positive and spread some joy around the Jurassic community. So reach out to us, social media, our email address, contact page on our website, or most of all, over on our Facebook page. We'll have a post on that page just for you to go ahead and comment with your lists. I think this will be pretty fun to compare and contrast everybody's lists out there. So make sure to hit us up and let us know. But before we get started with this episode, I'd like to take care of some quick business. Last week over on our website, Tom Fishenden actually introduced a brand new initiative for Jurassic fans to hashtag stay safe, stay Jurassic during this rough period in time in our world right now. So everybody across the world uh, can utilize this resource for different materials, different things to do, different things to to buy, to watch, whatever the case may be, just to keep us busy as Jurassic fans, to keep us um, on the right path during this rough time for everybody. So use the hashtag, hashtag stay safe, stay Jurassic um, in any of your posts out there. Let us know what you're doing, how you're keeping busy during this time, um, and of course, how you're staying safe out there because we want you all to stay incredibly safe, stay healthy, stay home, do all the things you need to do to keep everybody safe, not just yourself, but people people you may have come into contact with. So use this hashtag. I cannot say that sentence. Use this hashtag. Stay safe, stay Jurassic, and make sure to go to our website, JurassicParkPodcast.com. You will see a banner up on the top of the page. You can actually click on that banner, or you can find the article that Tom wrote up about this, this initiative, um, and then you can click through there to find all of the different resources that we have put together. Now, on the article page, you can actually go ahead and uh, contact us with some more ideas. Um, we're looking for more people to submit ideas, things to do, things that they're supporting, whatever the case may be, and we will go ahead and add those to uh, the website as well. 
themselves so people can find some really cool things to do during this time uh, that is is you know it's sometimes it's kind of hard to find out things to do uh, fun stuff to do with kids whatever the case may be we want to keep everybody busy we want everybody to stay safe and stay Jurassic and thank you to Tom uh, for this initiative he he made up a video which you can also check out um, it's in the article it's on our YouTube page and you know just follow along with what Tom's doing he's created a great initiative for Jurassic fans out there and I think it's great for the entire community to come together share this hashtag share this uh, community moment for us all because we're all in this together we all want everybody to stay safe and of course stay Jurassic if I haven't said it enough I hope you get the hashtag already but uh, thank you again to Tom for all the hard work he's put into this and uh, just for keeping people in the community extremely safe now, also, over on YouTube last week, like I said, we have that video from Tom. I also was doing a lot of uh, Jurassic World Evolution live streams. I did mention, I think, last week that, you know, you should pay attention to our YouTube channel because live streams are just going to come and go whenever I please. Um, last week, I was doing a lot of uh, making dinosaurs. My son wanted to make dinosaurs all the time and you know what i was like all right let's just throw the live stream up there and let people watch what we're doing the park that we made the dinosaurs that we built um there is no commentary or anything like that from me or my son but uh it's just the audio from the game just the visuals from the game um but still fun to watch i think fun to keep people entertained if you or the kids want to find out um you know what the game's like or just watch dinosaurs be built or watch a park be built go ahead and find those live streams also i did another uh, Let's Talk Jurassic live stream, this time about kind of uh, going off of our episode last week, talking about a lot of our favorites. I talked about all of my uh, Lost World favorites that I mentioned in the episode last week, but I actually visually showed them on the episode there. So you can see like the uh, Lost World like making of and the uh, junior novelization, and I talked about the watches from Burger King, all that good stuff. So I showcased all of those on the Let's Talk Jurassic. We also talked about the fact that there's no Battle at Big Rock uh, original soundtrack coming. Bummer. And uh, we talked about a lot. I actually forget everything, but there was a lot of stuff in there. Answered everybody's questions in the chat. But uh, yeah, go check out those live streams. And speaking of live streams, guys, this week, um, hopefully you're listening to this on Monday. If you're not, I'm sorry you may have missed it. But we have uh, this Monday, the day that this is released, a Let's watch Jurassic Park. Um, it's kind of like a take on our Let's Talk, uh, Let's Talk Jurassic series. But this time, we are going to be watching Jurassic Park together. We're going to be live streaming my commentary. Um, it's kind of like a big watch party. So if you guys want to join along, watch Jurassic Park with me, we're going to go ahead and sync up our, our videos. I've got it. Uh, I've got like a digital copy here ready to go that I'm going to watch. So on the live stream, you're not going to really hear much from the movie maybe you'll, maybe I'll throw in like a little snippet here and there but um, mostly it's just going to be me watching the movie and following along with you guys in the live chat so we're going to sync it up I'm going to say three two one go press play whatever it is and we're going to press play together watch Jurassic Park together and just enjoy it just have fun and that is going to be um, let's see that is Monday the 30th of March uh, at 9 p.m. EST, so Eastern Standard Time. That is uh, the best time, unfortunately, for me. I know it's not the best time for everybody, but good thing is the video will be there for you to watch it afterwards. So if you want to go ahead and sync it up after the fact, that is fine too. But yes, we will be doing a Let's Watch Jurassic watch party um, 
Jurassic Park watch party. There you go. Um, with the live commentary from me. And uh, it's going to be a whole lot of fun. We have so many people that are uh, that said that they're going to be there watching along with us. Hopefully some of our contributors and everything. It's going to be a lot of fun. Also this week over on our YouTube channel, we'll have some other stuff too. Some live streams, fun stuff like that. I don't know. I don't know everything that's going to be planned. And uh, I know Aaron is thinking about doing something maybe this week as well. So keep your eyes peeled for more information on that. But we do have a video version of mine and Aaron's top five segment that's coming up right after this. So if you guys want to see us visually talk about it, we're not going to be presenting any images or anything like that, any kind of... Uh, you know, memorabilia or anything, but you can actually see us talking about this. We actually experimented with a new live stream format for the two of us. We've been kind of hinting at maybe taking the wire in this direction in the future, and we might be on the verge of doing that, and I think it's actually come out really really awesome um you know it's it's a little glitchy in terms of uh the uh, the visuals to audio for aaron's side of things i don't know why but it, maybe it's because we're live streaming instead of just getting the audio sent uh, or the video sent over directly from his computer but uh that's you know behind the scenes stuff but i think it was really really cool to see us visually and also aaron worked up some nice like visuals to this this live stream format that actually replicate the uh the the kenner uh jurassic park cards which is awesome so aaron mocked up like it, it kind of looks like a trading it, it does look like the old trading cards and it has um our names on the bottom the number one number two in the corner for myself and aaron and then it also has instead of the jurassic park logo that was on those cards you have our uh podcast logo and where the visuals for the card were is our face it's pretty it's pretty awesome i love it and we were just like cracking up about it all night and uh sending pictures to ours it was pretty funny we were having a grand time just doing this um but i think it's a fun experiment it's our first time doing it so bear with us and uh, we're trying to figure out the kinks here and there but it's it might be something you're gonna see a lot more moving forward so please go check out that video as well so if you want to stop this podcast right here right now that's fine too um, if you want to watch it visually, that's fine too. Whatever you want to do, just check out this episode. I think it's a lot of fun. But that's enough for this intro. Why don't we go ahead and get this thing kicked off with our top five moments from the franchise. Five. Dinosaurs and men. Five million years of evolution. Four. You might be the fourth. Three. I'm going to contact the other three members of your team and I'm going to stop them. Two. About two main. One. That is one big pile of Hey everybody, welcome to a, a top five here on the Jurassic Park podcast. Uh, we're doing a, an interesting thing here. If you guys are listening to the podcast, you might not be seeing this, but go over to YouTube. We actually have some video of this uh, recording. It's kind of a big test. We don't know if it's going to work too well, but uh, I'm definitely down for it. But today we have a top five for you guys. A top five. We wanted to keep things positive and enthusiastic and talk about some of our top five favorite moments from the series uh, across all kinds of different mediums, if possible. Um, you know, there's a lot of things, and I didn't want to just seclude it to just the films, so kind of wanted to open it up just in case we had anything from books, from uh, any other, you know, stuff out there. And today, of course, we have, uh, if you're watching the video, you can see him right there. It's Aaron Beyer is here for the top five. We're going to be doing this Hey, guys. Together. How you doing, man? You staying um, healthy? 
I'm staying healthy, locked in my <laughs> apartment in Toronto, you know, trying to hopefully get groceries at some point. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, yep. it is what it is, right? We're, we're all in the same boat. So let's uh, let's keep things fun here. So we're going to go down a list of top five moments. Like I said, it's not in any kind of particular order or anything like that. Uh, I, I attempted to like look at it like, hmm, what's my number one? But then I'm like, ah, forget it. I don't, I don't really want to like single something out. They're all great moments. They're all fun things. Um, so why don't you uh, start off with just your, your fifth pick or whatever pick you want? One of them. I- you know? I mean, I can't even say these are like my top five moments. These are like <laughs> five things that stick out to me. Sure. Um, yeah. And that's this, fair you know, too. This week. Um, so yeah, I'll start. Well, here's uh, the thing also. We've probably already done this before. I just forget. <laughs> so we're doing it again. You know, there's more moments to talk about, to be honest. Last time we did this, maybe there wasn't a Fallen Kingdom or some other mediums, you know? Well, I got some bad news. I don't think Fallen Kingdom falls on any of my top moments. So, <laughs> okay, all right. It's it's a fine movie, um, <laughs> except for the credit I have at the end. Um, oh. But uh, anyway, my one of my top moments in the entire franchise has got to be when Grant Ellie. Well, I mean, Malcolm's there, but like this, the scene is really about Grant and Ellie, right? Yeah. Them yeah. seeing the Brachiosaur for the very first time. Like, I feel like entering into this list, that's a big moment. And I think that might be my biggest moment um, that I'm going to bring tonight. And what's, what I love about that scene is that you have to kind of be in the, in the mindset of 1993, when you think Mm -hmm. about how big of a moment that really is. Um, The scene is, it's not only big for the characters, but it's big for like the audience. So thinking about it in that way, it's a little bit kind of meta. Um, it's big for the characters because you're talking about Alan Grant and Ellie Sattler. These are two people that, you know, obviously have a passion for paleontology and paleobotany and and life from far distant passes, right? And mm-hmm. they're seeing this thing that they love and they obsess of and they think about every day, they work with every day, and they're seeing it in the most tangible way possible brought brought right up to them it's not a small like compy it's not (laughs) like a medium-sized dinosaur it is like one of the biggest animals to ever roam the planet they're not seeing one they're seeing like three or four they're seeing them moving with other dinosaurs like they're seeing it's like being transported millions of years ago into the past Mm -hmm. right and so for them, like as characters, right, we're kind of brought in for the ride. But for me as like a seven-year-old, when I first saw that, that was, I mean, like I I, I aspire to be a CG artist like on that level, right? Mm-hmm. And I do work in movies, but I don't do that kind of art. And for me as a seven-year-old, that blew my mind in a way that like I can't even like verbally express. Like, yeah, yeah opened up this idea of like wait i know that's not real yeah but it's real i don't understand right and i think kids growing up today like they've seen you know they see the avengers and they see you know star wars and even star wars back then the star wars that we had was like puppet star wars right and Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with that of course like those are classic movies but this was something on a whole different level um for me as a kid that just inspired me to like you know chase down the career that i have now yeah yeah and it's uh it it had to work like 
at that moment, that was the selling point. Like we saw some glimpses of, uh, you know, the Raptor in the beginning of the movie. But right. like, if that moment doesn't work, this movie doesn't work. And it worked, you know, for you. It worked for the characters in the movie. It worked for everybody. And it still works. It's still, you know, you look at it today and you're like, oh, it's a little, you know, it's not as great as maybe it could be, but it's still impactful to you. And you remember that moment as a kid and all that. And it's, it's just, it's beautiful. I yeah, I mean, look, today the CG doesn't really hold up. It's, I mean, there are people that will say like, oh, it's the best the CG's ever been. Yeah, it's really yeah. not. Like, I mean, the Brachiosaur is definitely like a single bump map, like rolling across its skin. Like, that's not really standard today. Um, yeah, I, exactly, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, um, it, but, it just, yeah, it looks a little like, I don't know what it is, just like rubbery kind of in a weird way, like not in a good way. Um, but... You know, it's not like I can look at the one in in Fallen Kingdom and say like, "Wow, that one looks so much better." But I don't know. It it's still it's still a, a beautiful shot, no matter what. I mean, it's a beautiful shot. The an, the anticipation mm-hmm. building up to that shot, where like Ellie is so engrossed in this leaf, and like Alan is like, you know, just there's the gif, right? That yeah. famous gif of him like getting up out of the car ripping yeah. off his sunglasses like cannot believe his eyes like sam neil nails that performance in that scene and yeah. as an audience member like you're there with him because you you i mean you know what he's looking at because as the audience member you know going in what you're going to like you know it's a dinosaur movie mm-hmm. but you're kind of not quite there yet with like well what's it gonna look like i mean at least me as a seven-year-old who didn't see any advertisements or anything like I was like, well, I know it's going to be a dinosaur, but like, what is it going to look like? What is it going to be? I didn't know it was going to be a brachiosaur when I first saw it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it was just super exciting. And then, you know, he he grabs her head and turns her head and she has the same exact reaction, like standing up, just mouth, yeah. just jaw dropped. It's so good. It's so powerful. And the entire franchise works, I think, because of that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, they've yeah. tried replicating it. Every movie kind of has that, but that very first one is by far the best. Yeah, yeah, it's it's impossible to to live up to, I think, at this point. Um, but yeah, I think I think this none of this would be possible. We wouldn't be sitting here talking about this uh, if that moment didn't work. Um, so perfect, I love it. Yeah. Um, great. Let me see. Where do I want to go with my first pick? Um, all right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the next movie. And um, it's not as like I feel like any of my picks are not like as profound as that moment is. I, well, really. I, so that's the first one on my like piece of paper here, and like I, yeah. like now I'm like, well, now everything's just disappointing after. That, I know, but. I know, right? Yeah. Um, it's just that was so profound and like so many like life lessons and just being so impactful as a child. I won't that none of this is really like on that level, but. As far as like one of my favorite moments, which I've I've probably talked about a lot here, is is Malcolm's journey, like that whole uh, the the musical motion. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, I don't know, but like the, the music that, cues and stuff. Yeah, the it's so cue, good. Yeah, the way like it starts in that moment um, with Kelly, you know, entering the the RV and then like checking out that map and then you know cut to that really wide shot like from the sky of the boat just kind of leaving the trail in the ocean and just. Like the vibe that that music gives you, and those like subtle like booms every so often as like the horns are are playing and stuff. It's it's so epic. Um, 
And then like you get this funny banter, like in the middle of of all of this seriousness, you get like Eddie right. and and Malcolm in there. It's just like it's hilarious the way they interact with each other. Um, and then of course it like peaks with this amazing crescendo of like the music, you know, hits level ten, and uh, you know, there's just all kinds of percussion and higher pitched uh, instruments and stuff like that, and you see the vehicles, which. As a kid, as uh, what was I like, twelve years old or something? Um, that is just the coolest thing is seeing that RV and those two Mercedes just strolling uh, down the island. It's just so awesome, and it's one of those moments like there's no dinosaurs involved in that moment. There's nothing. There's nothing like overtly amazing about that moment. It's just something that is really impactful to me. And it's the tone, uh, you know, that that Lost World tone fits perfectly. How how like kind of grim things are but how like i don't know just the way the vibe looks in that movie the the comedic well, it's moments it's yeah it's dangerous and then the the added element of the the music and the vehicles they just all of that coming together in that big crescendo at the end of it is just it's awesome it's so cool and uh you know as a kid that rv there was really nothing cooler than that the rv is so incredibly cool like mm-hmm. it, I, it when the movie came out, like, you know, a lot of younger fans might not rec- realize, but the RV toy by Kenner was not out when the movie came out. That came out as like a wave like two or a wave three thing. Mm-hmm. And so being in the theater, seeing that, it was like, you know, the, the Explorer <laughs> and the Jeep from the first Kenner line, those were fine. Um, well, I shouldn't say fine. They're, they were awesome. <laughs> okay. But like, but to be like looking at the movie and like seeing that that trailer and you're like, uh-huh. wait, where's that toy? Why? Yeah where is it? Why don't I have this toy? Like how, why can't I get this toy? It was absolutely phenomenal. And like just big and beefy. And like, if you've read the book, you know that like, it's supposed to have like electric wires, like wrapped around it, you know, Uh for, you know, so there's like protection from dinosaurs and stuff. And yeah, that scene in the movie where they're driving through, like it kind of plays off like a car commercial for Mercedes, but it really is like, yeah. I mean, every movie has it, but like it really is dangerous at that time they're Mm. in a field where anything can approach them at that point like you go into that movie and hammond explaining like no the dinosaurs are not in cages this time you know no fences Mm. this time yeah um these cars that is it that's all that is protecting our characters it's Mm. so cool yeah and um I think it's the only moment that we actually see that vehicle in motion like that rv in motion outside of falling off of a cliff uh right that's that's yeah, that's crazy that we only get that one moment, right? Am I am I wrong in, in thinking that? I think that's it. Because after no, that, I just park. You're totally right. The cliff. Yeah. Why would they park right there? I don't know, but they, they park it right next to a cliff. Um but yeah, I just love that moment. I love I love the vibe of those vehicles, how you know, like the like you were mentioning the other vehicles from the other movies, like they're so bright and so optimistic because of that park and everything and then this one it's all about survival and blending in and uh you know the camo and all that it just looks so tough and so cool something awesome about those vehicles it looks like it's designed to like weather the elements like i remember Mm -hmm. as a kid when i would play like making up my own stories the trailer was um it was designed to be like when i when i was playing as a kid um, I never really played, we played Lost World like every once in a while, but for the most mm. part, we still kind of played like the Jurassic Park concept. And what that was for us, that was like a, um, that was like a go into the park at night kind of thing. And like, we would have mm. the trailer be like, you go in the trailer and you go like in a paddock yeah. and you like sleep in the trailer 
with animals around you, right? Yeah. Um, like a giant gyrosphere or something, you know? And because it was this big, bulky, boxy thing that looked yeah. like it was designed to take a beating, you know, it was like the perfect vehicle for that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, that's I, a great moment, man. It's it that movie is just it's incredible, and oh, the vibe of that movie, which I actually, you know, in the last episode, I talked about my favorite thing, um, which was just the vibe of the Lost World, the marketing materials, like the style guide that they used for that movie, like mm-hmm. everything about it yeah. was just so iconic to me, and that's something that is has meant so much to me. So this this movie uh, is is awesome, and that's one of those moments that definitely helps to set the tone as well. So that's, that's yeah, now I'm trying to think like, cause I, I did hear the last podcast where you were saying like mm-hmm. everything about the marketing, of the lost world. Do you think was Jurassic park marketed as big or, or is it just because we were older and knew what Jurassic park mm-hmm. was that we were paying attention? Or do you think they like double down on the marketing for lost world? I, I feel like it's gotta yeah. be the second, right? They double down on it. I think they double down. Um, I mean, yeah, it's one of those things where I wasn't really paying attention to that stuff back then. Um, and I mean, as far as the, like the materials go, yes, we have like the awesome, um, you know, the tree line with the red and the black and all that stuff. And it's very subtle, but everything about the lost world, there's, there's nothing very subtle about the marketing for the lost world. It's just, it's like either this etched rock work, this very cool stuff, or this like bombastic greens with like these like danger signs and all this crazy stuff on it. It's just, there's something really unique about that marketing what they did i feel like they must have you know exploded the budget there and but even like i talked about on the episode with uh fallen kingdom has like the biggest marketing behind any movie i've almost ever seen and um it didn't really touch the likes of what the lost world did in terms of style so that's what i want i want to see more of that going forward is that style um that when you look back you can think wow that feels lost world you know everything about that feels like the lost world I'm not sure I can, I've gotten that out of Jurassic Park 3, Jurassic World, or Fallen Kingdom so far. I mean, the closest we've gotten to, like, packaging has probably been, like, the Dino Rival stuff that very mm. much mimics the oh, Jurassic yeah, yeah. Park for sure. to me. But, like, mm. Mattel didn't – or not Mattel. Um, Hasbro? Hasbro. Hasbro didn't come close. Like, what was <laughs> what was the Jurassic World white and I, blue and red? Like, know, it was man. so weird. Like I don't know. I don't so know what I, that was. Like, I don't know what about those colors said dinosaur. <laughs> like green to me says jungle dinosaur. Yeah. Red says lava dinosaur. Red and orange lava dinosaur. Like, like I know this probably won't shut up, show up, but this like this book here is just oh it is showing up fine. Uh, this book is everything. Like this describes it all perfectly. It's it's so good. Um, just that whole vibe. Yeah, but, that's awesome, man. Yeah, so that's that's one of mine. What do you want to move on to? One of yours. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'll bounce, and this can be really quick. Um, we don't have to really like go on this because, like, honestly, it's like a line from the book. Um, and there's something from the original book, Jurassic Park, that Crichton did that I thought was cool. Um, I understand why they didn't do this in the movie, but in the book, the dinosaur eggs are made of like a clear plastic, and there was like a lot of different reasonings for it. Right. You know, obviously so they could like see inside to make sure that the development was looking like the way they wanted it to look, Mm -hmm. um, to make sure to kind of obviously tell what species of dinosaur it was while it was like in the incubators and everything. And I get that Jurassic park was trying to make them like the movie was trying to make them feel more natural and like it brought dinosaurs back and now they're living things, but the book makes them feel very much like a product. Um, 
And in the book, Crichton has them hatching out of like a clear plastic breakaway egg. Um, and I'm, I went to Jurassic Wiki to like kind of confirm this because I'm I'm sometimes a little fuzzy like with the books. I feel like I make some <laughs> stuff up in my head. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so from Jurassic Wiki, in the book, Henry Wu claims that egg yolk is nothing <clears throat> but a growth medium that can be created in a laboratory. Fine, whatever. That's very cold and very like science mm-hmm. fiction, right? Um, uh, InGen uses artificial egg product by Millpore Plastic Products to manufacture their dinosaur eggs. The artificial yolks are then inserted via syringe um it's really cold it's really sci-fi it's really like kind of dark and i get why spielberg didn't go that route and i think like the closest thing we've actually gotten was with um trevorrow putting like the the barcodes on the eggs Uh i thought that was kind of a cool uh little thing um but yeah i don't know i just that's always stuck out in my head as something like drastically different from book to movie that i kind of I'd like to see that maybe like in the next installment of the movies, like whoever these new scientists are. Um, I shouldn't even say that with just whatever Wu is doing, um, you yeah. know, now in this, in this new lab, maybe they move over to this clear plastic. That'd be kind of cool to see. Um, that, we sort of saw something like it in Jurassic Park three, but I don't think it was nearly as cool as the book. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I guess Jurassic Park three definitely took that like sci-fi vibe with the, the, the glass containers and stuff like that. You right. see the embryos hatch or not hatching, but, uh, just like stuck in there. Um, but yeah, it has that like overtly sci-fi vibe where you, any, any movie or something where you see like clones being made or like just loads of like, you know, whatever it is. I don't right. know particularly if these instances actually show this but like attack of the clones or the island or um you know uh even even something the like matrix uh, like the matrix is a the, perfect example sure. yeah there, there's always these moments where in this sci-fi thing that the person or whatever it is is like in some sort of weird oh even roswell i've been watching roswell like the new reboot of that on the cw and sure they have these like eggs that they're in and it's it's weird. And that's exactly what that is. It's like this like weird material that, you know, you use to to build and to create these things. And that is something that you're right. It doesn't necessarily lend itself to the movie version. But today in by today's standards, I could definitely see that happening because, um, you know, because of more maybe science fiction um you know, interpretations in the Jurassic World saga and stuff like that. And certainly moving forward with, like you said, whatever Dr. Wu could be doing or potentially like another company or something like that. I think it could be really interesting to see that potentially used in the future. I I like that idea. The idea of like these clear plastic eggs to me Mm -hmm. said like it feels more like villainous. And since Mm -hmm. the end of Fallen Kingdom, we know that like the dinosaurs that are out there are either free or they're in the hands of villains at this point. So it would be kind of yeah. cool to see that that dichotomy or like that you know that juxtaposition you know next to the you know old man Hammond wanting to create beautiful creature you mm-hmm. know kind of kind yeah. of thing. So I don't know. Hopefully we see it someday in the future. I don't know. Yeah, and you know, t- talking about the translation to the film too, I don't know. That moment would have been really weird if if it was some sort of plastic egg and not the the real egg that that raptor pops out of like that is such a and also like a, a, an impactful moment as well and yeah, it's totally. something that yeah. is a it feels real it feels you know natural and and like you're saying it it just it feels good because it's a real egg you see the raptor come out it doesn't feel like some sort of weird freak of nature kind of creation like maybe the indominus does in a way you know it doesn't really feel like that um but it also makes me think about 
weirdly like Maisie. Like how how did how did that happen? Now was was something like that <laughs> utilized for Maisie and her creation? You, I mean that's kind of a weird question, but like I You I know my I, dark you know my dark I thoughts know. on Maisie and Lockwood mm-hmm. and how like the Maisie we see on screen is not Maisie one point no. Like there's a bunch of uh failed experiments yeah, like yeah. All of, like the alien three with like the failed uh ridley experiment or whatever like yeah i feel like th- there's a dark history that is definitely not being talked about and i honestly don't even know if that that if you really want to go dive into it it's definitely not for kids Mm-mm. you know and these movies are generally for families and i you know yeah exactly like are there like are there like JP three level test tubes somewhere? Like, Oh, it's just so weird and dark. I don't like it. So strange, but yeah, I could, I could see them maybe touching on it somehow, but you're right. It is very dark and it's not necessarily for kids, but um, you know, with the way movies like this, you know, they're taking these movies that were once like kid centric kind of in a way and making them slightly more adult, like same way with like, the latest Star Wars trilogy kind of did the same thing in terms of like making things a little bit more adult centric and in, in certain well, elements, you know, battle um, at big rock was like the scariest it's been mm-hmm. in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we're obviously, yeah, yeah we're kind of going down that, that rabbit hole a little bit, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I like how those eggs, that just feels like, so Michael Crichton, you know, everything about that version feels like Michael Crichton. So that's, that's a cool thing that like, I don't feel like many people ever talk about that little part of the movie or the book. So that, it's that like I said, one of those things you blurb, can translate you know? well. Yeah. Yeah. Good pick. Good pick. All right. Um, what else you got? All right. Let's see here. Um, all right. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with this one here. Um, so I know you said that you may not may not have anything from Fallen Kingdom on your list. Um, but I'm going to I mean, go ahead. Wow me, man. Like, <laughs> bring it on. Like, you're maybe gonna, you change my mind. I don't know. No, I'm not going to change your mind. You're probably going to hate my pick here. But um, I this is one of those things. Again, it's 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 kind of like a hybrid moment for me. And it, and it kind of um, it capitalizes on many different things. Uh, so this is it's the the tail end of the auction sequence um when when Stiggy is there and and kind of you know rampaging through the auction room and i just love that moment so so much um you know this movie is very divisive i think for for the community um some people side with the volcano some people side with the 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 mansion aspect some people don't like either um uh, but i i love both and that mansion sequence I love the the horror vibes that they brought out with that. And, and sure, it's not straight like, you know, slasher movie or straight like Wolfman kind of horror or Dracula or something like that. But um, but I, I do love that moment in particular because they uh, – Michael Giacchino. I don't know why, but a lot of my stuff centers around the music. Um, <laughs> Michael well, Giacchino. <laughs> yeah, okay. I won't, I won't even interrupt you because I can, I can go on forever about that. Sure. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's impactful and it makes a big difference. All the music in, in these moments and actually not doesn't make a difference at all in one moment. Um, but um, in this moment in particular, it really focuses in on that like psycho score, you know, from like the movie Psycho. And, and sure, it, just, yeah. it literally sounds just like that. I love like the stabby nature of that score and and seeing Stiggy kind of just rampage, like I said, through that auction room 
And literally, it's it's pretty. And we're talking about like how this is, you know, a kids series at heart. But this moment is not necessarily a kids movie whatsoever. I mean, they 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 market this creature, Stiggy, as like the next blue or like the next character. It's got a name. You know, there's tons of plushes. There's toys. There's all kinds of yeah. you know posters and stuff for Stiggy. But this thing is literally stabbing people in the stomach throughout this room and just throwing them across the room. It's so violent. It's not necessarily gory, but it's very violent. And you can hear that stabbing. And that's why that right. psycho score works so well in that moment, uh, that, you know, psycho-esque score. Um, and on top yeah. of that, well, hold on, I'm not done. Uh, there's, there's, okay. multiple, <laughs> there's multiple layers to this, this scene that, that I, I like to interpret. So you also have like this Indiana Jones slash jason Bourne, james bond whatever you want to you know ethan hunt kind of moment here for owen and sure. this is this, all the same scene so you know you've got stiggy stabbing people you've got owen just just getting beat up but also beating everybody to a pulp and just like this one moment specifically where you know he's He's like picking up a chair. He's hitting some guy. He's punching another guy. He's kicking somebody. He's like literally just running down the line, taking out dudes left and right. And I just, I love that moment. It's, it reminds me a lot of Indiana Jones to me and how how he makes it up as he goes along and just kind of, you know, bumbles along and just hits whatever he can, just throws a random, you know, arm and just punches some dude and knocks him out. It's just like not very plausible whatsoever, but I love how how much action there is in that moment, how how fun that it, it really, it literally makes me giddy, like just talking about it and thinking about that moment. And when I watch it, I'm like, oh, this is so awesome. Like everything is happening. And then on top of that, you also have that suspense of like the lever being pulled and then pushed back and pulled in and not knowing what's going to happen with the Indoraptor that's in that cage. You know, are right. they going to send it out? Are they going to keep it? Is it kind of going back and forth as push and pull? And I love that suspense of that moment of like, what's going to happen next? So well, what's it's multi great about this scene, like this is, this is one of the only scenes in the last like half of the movie that I actually mm -hmm. love. Like the <laughs> so I love the very first half of the movie uh -huh. up until they leave the island. Like I'm totally on board. I totally dig it. It's got that mm -hmm. lost world vibe that I was I was hoping for. Um, what I don't like about the last half is like the monster in the hallway. Okay. Like I feel like a lot of the last half of that movie is kind of like they're running through the mansion in The Shining, and there just I, happens I, I to be a dinosaur. Shining, so. <laughs> yeah, I know I do too, but it just it just felt weird. Yeah. I don't know. But, sure, sure. So it's it's whole, definitely a different whole, style. Yeah. Definitely a different style, which we need in we need injected into the Jurassic Park franchise, right? You're talking about movie five. Like they had to do something different. Yeah. For me, it didn't it didn't hit it a hundred percent. You know, I'd mm -hmm. say it hit like 70% for me, right? Uh -huh. But the scene mm -hmm. is great because first off, it's lit beautifully. Mm -hmm. Like the light, the god rays like coming through like the fog and like shining <laughs> into the bars of the Indoraptor's like yeah. cage. It's absolutely amazing. And then I've said it, I think here on the podcast before, but like Owen Grady is kind of, he's what we as like the millennial generation look at Alan Grant as like with like rose colored glasses. And Alan Grant was not the beat him up, punch him down hero no. that we like all like seem to like have in our heads that he was. Yeah. He was very much like, I don't like kids and I'm going to run from everything. <laughs> um, he just happened to be the guy with the cool Indiana Jones hat. Right. So yeah. Owen Grady is kind of like the the mix of Alan Grant and he's like he's like a mix of Alan Grant, um, 
not Roland Tembo. Oh my gosh, why am I blanking on his name? Robert Muldoon. Okay. And he's got like the snark of like Ian Malcolm. And uh-huh. this scene where he's like punching and there's dinosaurs going like running around. Mm-hmm. The Indoraptor is like in the cage, like turning yeah. around, like following him, like a like a tracking dog. <laughs> and it's like yeah. everything that my seven year old brain yeah like could process. And because this this sequence is really kind of the the Raptor motorcycle sequence of this movie, right? And mm-hmm. sure, yeah. it's like the seven year old in me is like my my mind is like melting on the inside. Yeah. I can't process. <laughs> oh my gosh, there's dinosaurs and there's guys punching each other and there's yeah. people running and there's you know there's there's this ferocious one in this cage and oh man, it was just it was such a crazy scene. It was so cool. Um, yeah, but Sticky, I will admit, was like or I'll agree. Sticky was like marketed weird. He was like their version of like baby Groot. It was like marketing was like, Hey, we want this to be baby Groot. And, um, Bayona and Trevorrow were like, yeah, but he's not baby Groot. <laughs> you know, he's going to yeah. headbutt some people. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess like they, they tried, they really tried with Sticky to get that to be a thing, but no, I don't think kids really latched on to it uh, that much. I don't know why, but because um, he wasn't called Sticky in the movie. Sure. Like, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was no why. Like exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You're probably right there. Um. But yeah, I love what you said about um. You know the the seven year old version of you and and kind of like that hybrid of Alan Grant and the other characters. It, it is that, and and I think it's because of the toys. You know, we had the Alan Grant with like some sort of weird like almost spacesuit looking stuff, you know, like on him like that. You remember that gray oh, yeah, one yeah, yeah, yeah. with like the arm fit, whatever it was. I don't even know what that was to be honest. And like that version or, or any of the versions, like you just utilize them in different ways because they're toys and, and it wasn't necessarily the character that was on the screen. What fun is that to play around with the toy? You know, like, so that was the guy. It was like him and, and uh, you know, Malcolm or whoever else were the ones like throwing punches or whatever. So that's just what these movies are. And that's why I, I enjoy these movies so much is because like, sometimes we get very cynical with movies today and we want them right. to be a certain way and all that. But like, these are the movies that we created, you know, when we were playing with our toys, you know, everything about them was, you know, especially from my mind, like a volcano going off and like saving dinosaurs, trying to yes, capture totally. them to, to bring them somewhere else. Like that was literally like what I did as a kid. And that's why I, you know, connect so well with these movies, I think just because, that's what I wanted and that's what I created. So this moment in particular is, is kind of like the cultivation of all of those things like kind of put together. So that's why I love well, it so much. I talked with you, like I left the, I left Jurassic world, the the movie four. I left mm. Jurassic world, like hating it. I was like, no, I don't <laughs> like this. This isn't Jurassic park. Like it's uh-huh. so weird. Why is it weird? And it wasn't until like, I, you know, I had like the weekend to kind of think about it. And like, as soon as it clicked that, no, you're right. This isn't Jurassic Park. Like, you know, I'm telling myself this, like, this isn't Jurassic Park. They're not trying to do that. Mm-hmm. They're, they're doing what every seven year old growing, you know, they're doing what we all fantasized that Jurassic Park was with mm-hmm. those toys. Like Jurassic Park is fantastic. It's, it's easily my, it's, well, it's definitely my favorite movie of all time. It's my favorite in the franchise, but Jurassic World is not that. And that's okay. Like, it's okay to not be the original, right? Sure, yeah. Um, and so the more that I approach Jurassic World, the these this new trilogy, as like Trevorrow is telling the stories that I could only dream of as a kid, 
like I get much more on board with it. Yeah. You know, so like I said, like the end of Fallen Kingdom isn't really my favorite, but it's definitely like a story that I probably would have told as a kid, like playing with those toys. So, you know, um, I mean, that, there's really nothing more to say. It's it's just different, no, it's and exactly I live for it its differences. Yeah. Um, so that's oh my god, what we've we only done two picks each, <laughs> right? Yeah, you said this done? would be you said this would be a short one. I, I was like, you know, we could do this probably in like thirty minutes, but we we just ramble. <laughs> it's whatever. Yeah. You know who I feel really bad for in all of this? I feel really bad for Vince Vaughn because I think Vince Vaughn was meant to be this character, and I could I don't that. know if I don't know if his like lines got just cut. I don't know if like sequences like because I know he was supposed to be part of like the hang gliding sequence or the motorcycle sequence in the um, the worker village. So it just feels like all the big action sequences that would feature a character like Nick Van Owen got cut. And like Chris Pratt is in here, like, you know, taking up all the extra, you know, leftovers and stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah. Where's. Why is Vince Vaughn not in these new movies? Bring him back. I don't know. I mean, he's he's looking pretty good. I, I saw him recently in like Kirby Enthusiasm. He seems fine. Like he's he seems all good to go. Like get him in these movies. I don't know why he's not uh, approached to come back. That's They're just bummer. waiting. They're waiting. He's going to be like, well, <laughs> is he really a big tease at this point? Like, would people even remember like non fans? Would they even no. remember that he was in no the second if, movie? <laughs> if you if you traverse uh you know Twitter at all or any kind of social media, you'll see people are like, oh my god, he was in this movie or that person was in this movie, and it's always like him. It's always Samuel L. Jackson. It's like you know those characters that people that yeah. don't realize they were in even in the movie. So no, yeah. he was he was designed to be like the young hot guy, like the young hot action guy that's what that's what his role was in the lost world and he somehow got like shifted over to like i'm just a photographer here for the ride yeah i mean he's the guy who brings like you know the the things to like get the locks open it's like he's the contingency plan there he's like the you know plan b or whatever so it's it's up to him to like take down the crew and it's just like all he does is just unlock some stuff like (laughs) He (laughs) he makes a call all right Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, he did, he did. He brushed away some, like, you know, leaves and some, you know, vines and stuff, I guess. Use those muscles. <laughs> yeah, it, it was, I, I feel really bad for him in that movie because I, I definitely feel like he was supposed to be that character. I think I've seen interviews where they, like, confirm he was meant to be that character and it just didn't happen. And now, you know, Owen Grady, like I said, is kind of the best of, he's, like, the best part of all the characters combined mm-hmm. to make, like, one superhero character right which sure. i know people yeah. hate the superhero aspect of these movies but what are you gonna do that's, that's where we're at yeah all right so let's let's take a third pick here what are you gonna what are you gonna go with um let's see all right i'm gonna go with the indominus rex in the garage in jurassic okay. world all right i don't have too much to say about this except for like my notes on this are basically this scene is as Jurassic as the new movies get. Um, it's scary. It's super plotting. Like they're quietly moving through the garage. Mm-hmm. Um, this the scaling in that, like you know, it's people against a jeep against a dinosaur, right? Yeah. <laughs> and this dinosaur is like slowly trying to find them. They're like hiding on the side, and then to just like throw it into seven-year-old brain-melting overdrive. I'm going to keep going back to that. <laughs> they throw in a Jeep from Jurassic Park that's like, and they're in the garage. Like, yeah. the garage only ever been talked about, like, in the book. And 
now we're in a garage. Yeah. We're seeing all these old tools. We're seeing where like employees might have worked on these vehicles. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just like all of that combined going into that movie the very first time, like I couldn't handle that scene. I was so excited. It was so cool um, yeah. to, to see all of that. And aside from Battle at Big Rock, like I said, I think this is the most Jurassic that these movies have been in the new franchise. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. I think that's a pretty good pick too. I like, you know, the tension in that moment and just like the iconography of like, you know, first off that that whole visitor center scene, but like moving into that and seeing like the goggles and seeing the old Jeep. It's just like, it's a very cool moment. I think it's like, and I've talked about this with you a bunch of times is like seeing things we never saw before you know whether yes, it's like 100%. certain sections of the old island or even the new island like just seeing moments uh, or places that uh we never got to explore you know and i like that a lot i really like expanding the world that way and it's it's not really all that Im impactful of like a thing is just seeing a garage but like for for diehard fans that like want to see other things that you know explore, that is pretty awesome. You know, I mean, like gas stations. We won't go too much, but like gas stations <laughs> well, we'll, and garages we'll and there. like, <laughs> are we going there? We might we might go there. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, we can go there if you want, because um, that's really all I have to say about this entire yeah. sequence. Like, I I absolutely love it. It's one of those scenes like sure. I forget that it's in this movie all the time, mm -hmm. but every time it comes up, I'm like, oh man, yeah, this is like the best part of this movie. That's um, uh, that's pretty good. Um, yeah, so that's that's all I have to say about it. All right, well, I'll give you a, a short one as well, kind of, you know, capitalizing on that moment as well, is is actually in, in Jurassic World, I'll stick with the same movie, that moment, um, you know, when the kids got to the island, they're in the hotel room. And I just, I can't help but put this on my list because um, when those doors open, you know, I can't, I don't want to wait anymore, uh, little Gray says yes. as he bursts through the door. Like that moment, um, seeing this, this park and everything fully realized uh, is, is that like childhood dream come true? You know, is seeing, like we were saying, you, you just mentioned a, a garage, like how cool is a garage? But like we get to see small glimpses, which is, is somewhat of a bummer. Like there's, there is a little like bummer layer is, is the fact that this camera just zooms over everything and you don't really get to explore that park as much as I'd like. Um, but in this, one of these moments that you do get to at least see like what else is out there. You see these, you see hotels, you see like water parks, you see like all kinds of stuff on the horizon, like just this widespread, you know, uh, resort. It's just really awesome to see that all, um, you know, just kind of happening very, very quickly. And just the excitement of that moment, like you are literally that kid in that same moment, like you don't want to wait anymore. Just show me the park. I've seen certain aspects from the monorail to like the dock and stuff. But like, I want to see what this real park is. And that moment is really, really awesome. The music is swelling. And it's just really exciting, I think. Yeah, the the moment, I mean, in that moment, right, we are, we are great, right? Like the line, I don't want to wait anymore. You know, like if, if they would have spent an hour setting up Jurassic World, right, as a 30 some year old fan, when that movie came out, it literally is like, I don't want to wait anymore. Just <laughs> show me something. I'm yeah. so excited at this point. Like you showed me the dumb CG bird at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> I've already forgotten about it. Let's go to Jurassic World, right? Like, yeah. And like, yeah, exactly. In that moment, he's us, right? And he is, I don't want to wait anymore. And then he flies open the doors and, and there it is, right? In like all of its glory. And then what's cool is that Trevor does is like, then all of a sudden we're Lowry, 
right? Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, this is great. Don't mess this up. Please don't <laughs> screw this up. You know, please don't make yeah. this bad. Um, you know, please don't make bad decisions. Um, I love that he was able to take the fandom and he was able to split them into two characters, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I thought yeah. it was awesome. I love that sequence. Like, and like, you, there's no dinosaurs in that sequence. I mean, uh, why? Very, why do I keep picking? <laughs> keep picking moments without dinosaurs in them but like yeah it's just it, it's super impactful and it's that moment that you've kind of always been waiting for and you know we never got to see jurassic park in operation you know we got to see like a behind the scenes tour and then it was cut right. short you know we only got to see like half a day not even like it was just like a few hours in right. uh, a, a seemingly operating park um but to see guests, to see people enjoying themselves, to see Main Street being flooded with people. You got restaurants, you got IMAX, you got just all kinds of insane stuff. Everything you'd want from a theme park atmosphere or a city walk atmosphere. And like, it's just, it's amazing. And it's like, oh man, I wish we could explore some more of that stuff. And, you know, who knows? Over time, maybe we'll get to see more of it. But um, yeah, that's one of my favorite moments. I mean... Maybe I mean I don't know if the live action show that they're talking about would maybe go into a little bit of that. It'd be kind of cool. Know. It seems like it's going to be like uh, Dominion, maybe centric, but right, it would be nice yeah. to have something that focuses in on that. And I think actually, you know, Camp Cretaceous could be that thing. So let's hope you know a be, different but medium, but you know, it's okay. I don't I don't want to say animation is easy because it's not, but I feel like putting the park in an animated style that's not really what like it'd be fine it just (laughs) seeing the park in operation i still just really want to see it in live action it's like it's like that's why avengers that whole franchise is so popular because sure the comics are great the cartoons are great but we we want to believe that it's real you know Mm -hmm. and that's where I think the MCU is so successful. It's taking something so outlandish and so crazy and making it tangible. You know, mm-hmm. it's happening to Robert Downey Jr. It's happening to Chris Evans. And we'll we'll probably never see that again with Jurassic Park or Jurassic World. That bums me out a little bit. So <laughs> if animation's like the best way, like yeah. fine, I guess. But yeah. I would we'll see get flashbacks, there. you know. <laughs> in the live action series. I would, I would love that if somehow, you know, whether it's movie or live action series, like to see them traverse different parts of this Island, it would be awesome, but I'm okay with the animation, uh, live action split because I, I'm such a huge, like star Wars fan. And I, I kind of go back and forth. Like literally today I watched the clone wars, like a brand new episode. And they did things that like are pretty awesome. Like they, they go to planets that you're like, Oh Yeah. Like, that's awesome. We've been there in live action, you know, slightly. But, like, to see it in, in not live action was, was just as cool for me. So um, I'm fine with that. As long as the representation of that that island and the park looks and feels the same instead of being, like, some cartoony uh, rendition of it. You know, because what, what Star Wars does, you know, between different mediums is fairly seamless like there, there's good you know identity to what those places are so i think as long as they do that in this show camp cretaceous keep things so- somewhat realistic and and it seems like at least from an atmosphere perspective like the the environments that they're going to be in they look really realistic in what we've seen via that you know short trailer and uh um what else oh just the the image uh that was sh- you know 
the poster image that was shared. Yeah, the it looks key very art. it looks very um realistic. So outside of the characters. But um yeah, I think I think they could do it. I really hope they do. And I, I'm interested to see what kind of different areas they explore. I just hope they don't stylistically change it too much. But I do want to see, you know, see what they could explore because I don't expect them to stay. You know, I think Jurassic is built on, you know, challenging the characters and traversing different places. All these movies are about getting from point A to point B. You know, there's always something about travel, you know, in these in these movies. So right. I think, you know, if that series does uh, try to travel a- around that island, that would be pretty brilliant. So I think that's a great way to do it. And hopefully we can see some cool stuff. Yeah, kind of. I mean, Terra Nova wasn't like a great show, but in every episode they had different like scenes or not different. They had different sets. Right. And so you were always seeing a new portion of, uh, of the landscape, like the different, you know, the outposts that they built or, or whatever. Um, I just watched Mm -hmm. lost in space on, uh, Netflix. And that was kind of the same way. Uh, I I love that show. Like that show convinced me that a Jurassic world show can exist. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't think even when I just saw like, Oh, they're in talks. I'm like, "Ah, but it's going to look cheap, right? Like it's going to look like a cheapened version of Jurassic. (laughs) And I saw lost in space and I was like, no, this can happen. Like the creatures in that show, what very few creatures there are in that show look absolutely stunning. There's a, a moment in season two. Did you get through into season two yet? Yeah, I watched the whole thing in like two days. Yeah, there's there's a there's like a a moment in there where I was like, oh my god, this is this is like something like kind of scarier than Jurassic at times with the creatures that they were ut- utilizing in that that sequence. I was like, oh my god, like this is pretty brutal. So right, yeah, you're right. right. Like they definitely could pull it off. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see what they intend on doing. But um, yeah, exploration that's part of the series, I think. All right. So is that uh, is that your that's, that's your my, three, right? My third one. Yeah. So where are you going right. for number four? Ooh, I've got a few. <laughs> All right. One of the best sequences. Again, this totally like shaped me as a child in wanting uh-huh. to become a, a CG artist. Um, it it was everything that Jurassic Park could be. Um, it starts with awe. It ends in escape it has fear it has terror uh and that is the grant lex and tim running from the gallimimus stampede Uh like starting it it's like oh look at these beautiful animals oh my gosh they're flocking this way (laughs) holy cow run we can't run as fast as these things and then if that isn't terrifying enough you think it's over and the t-rex just barrels through the tree line and like attacks these animals so like you get dinosaurs chasing people you get dinosaurs attacking dinosaurs you get you know like you don't in 93 we didn't know if the t-rex was gonna like notice the humans and like want to go after them like again nowadays you go like it's an old movie you know what happens but back then we didn't know what was gonna happen it was like oh my gosh like the t-rex just burst through this scene what's gonna happen and uh man that that sequence is everything it's like it's like a short (laughs) within the movie yeah i i love that moment and yeah i love the fact that like you still wonder like how did they get out of there how did they you know not get seen what happened from there on out and that that moment's pretty pretty awesome like just seeing like 
the dinosaurs kind of doing their thing and not really, um, you know, the humans aren't really interfering. Uh, the the, the Gallimimus are doing their daily jog. You know, like they're running no matter what. And then right. the T-Rex, you know, is doing what a T-Rex does. It doesn't want to be fed. It wants to hunt. And that's literally like that moment come to life. And it's so cool that like, you know, he said that earlier on in the movie, you know, when they're trying to tempt the Rex and it's just not working. But this is that that moment come to life is is that realization that, yes, this is exactly what it wants to be doing. Um, right. So it wants to hunt. It wants to burst through those trees and scare everybody um, and, you know, do what the T-Rex does by just subtly, like silently sneaking up on everybody and just destroying. Right. So I love that moment so much. And, and the fact that, like, it, you know, that is a moment that has become so iconic because of uh, the tree, you know, the, the trees, right. the, spa- the space that they're in, you know, like going to that part in Hawaii and just standing there and, uh, you know, I, I, the, the tree's like a, a different tree. Like it's not the same log at this point, but it's like, I guess the same spot. I don't, don't quote me on that. No, it's the uh, same you, log. There, right? It's just been like, it's been so weathered down that it's like Is nowhere it? near the size. Okay. Um, it, they change its position all the time. Like mm-hmm. it's never in the same place they like move the display, um, you know, depending on just what's filming. Um, yeah. I mean, just as a kid, you know, just coming to the realization that this was all created in a computer and I know people love the puppetry and they love the, you know, they love the animatronics, but Mm -hmm. these were dinosaurs moving at full speed. And if you watch, if you watch like the behind the scenes featurette, like Spielberg goes into like how ILM was like, well, wait, we can't, we can't have dinosaurs running with the camera moving. Like, no, like that's, <laughs> that's not how CG works. And I love when Spielberg is like, no, that's how it's going to work. Like that's yeah. what we're going to do. Can't and it's it like, <laughs> like as someone who's in CG now, I look at that and I just yeah. go, I, how, how did they do this 20 years ago? I don't, and it's live action. Now, if you want to do something like that, you would just CG the entire thing. Mm, yeah. <laughs> And like, you know, kind of similar to like the Owen Grady bicycle sequence, which is 100% CG except for him and the bike. And it doesn't look nearly as good. Well, even the Fallen Kingdom moment, you know, when all the dinosaurs, they're all literally doing the same thing, running through the field and trying to escape the the volcano. That still is mostly like a like a locked off camera, right? Like there's a few there's a few gliding in or whatever. But like for the most part, like they stuck a camera onto the back of a golf cart and just like, there was no tracking markers. Sure. They had to like, they, they created this whole pipeline that we have in CG today. They were like creating yeah. it on the sense of Spielberg being like, no, we're not going to lock off cameras. Like that's not going to happen in my movie. So like, crazy. we take it for granted now, but that was the first time we'd ever seen anything like that. Yeah. I, I don't know how. And I, I always watch those behind the scenes you know, documentaries or footage and stuff. And I see the, you know, the old box computers. I'm like, how, how, how did they how? do any of this stuff? How did this come to life? I have no clue. I, I've watched no. all these like different documentaries, even like I watched like a, what, the Pixar story or something the other day, you know, just talking about how they made those movies and how Jurassic right. Park was kind of an influence to that and stuff. And it's just crazy to see how they make this stuff in, uh, you know, a day and age where like, now we could just kind of hit, you know, do a few things just like there it is. It, it looks beautiful. You know, uh, obviously I'm simplifying it, but like, it's, sure, yeah, yeah. you know, 
it's it's just crazy. So that's one of those like feats that you just don't know how they did it. No, and and for being as old as that movie is, I mean, <laughs> you're talking about a scene that was probably staged out in 1991 or 1992. Like, I have no clue. Even like we're 26, seven years removed, and it's like, how did you accomplish this in yeah. those days? Like, I can't even. I can't even fathom it. So isn't there like a lot of footage of them like running around the the lots and stuff like that, capturing audio of them like running and jumping over things? I think I remember like a lot of footage like that. I mean, maybe, but like just to create a scene like that now would involve so much like if you watch the behind the scenes, they they um they add like a digital graph onto the floor, like onto the ground, which allows them to like put the animals in and like make sure that the animals are moving at the right yeah. like speed and at the right, yeah. like they're hitting and not sliding on the ground. Like the only way in my mind I can think of even doing that shot today is that you would actually lay out a grid with rope. You would track that, I guess. And then like, you would have to like have artists like painstakingly paint that out. <laughs> All right, so that was your uh, fourth one. That's my so four. I, all right, so I, what am I going to go with here? Um, I'm going to stick with the same film. And uh, so we're talking Jurassic Park here. Um, and I kind of alluded to it earlier when I've, I've been talking about the music a lot recently, about how right. you know the music is a big deal when it comes to how impactful I think um, these moments are. But this moment is completely opposite. Now, I don't think this is something that truly defines the moment, but uh, the T-Rex breakout, <laughs> like there's there's no sound, um, you know, no no musical score or anything else underneath that. It's just completely silent and you hear the rain dripping. It sets the sets the tone, sets the atmosphere. It's so brilliant. I like love uh, that entire sequence. I don't think you can deny that. I mean, it's, you know, you no, mentioned the amazing. Brachiosaurus scene before. Um, and I think the T-Rex breakout is like that other scene that you're just like, oh my God, like, this is like, how did they do that? You know, we, I guess we talked about it with the Gallimimus too, but like, how did they do that? It looks so good even still today. Like there's still so much about that. That looks brilliant. I, I, I love the the tension, uh, you know, the character moments with um, the different cars and stuff like that. The kids and Gennaro and Grant and Malcolm, you know, going back and forth with their, you know, kind of comedic uh, takes and stuff like that. And then just the tension of them getting out of the vehicles and the T-Rex breaking down the bathroom and the fence and just how iconic the sound design is in that sequence. Like everything about it is so iconic like the roars are just you, you literally can't get those out of your head. The way that thing overturns the the explorers, like chews on the tire. Like there's so much about that sequence that is just so iconic. And um, yeah, it's just it's beautiful. It's one of the best things out of any of these movies or any movie in general. Like it's just the best. It's that scene is every time I get any kind of new equipment, like mm -hmm. that's the <laughs> that's the part of the movie I boot up to go. Yeah okay, does this look slash sound great on my new equipment, right? Because mm -hmm. it's it's like, it, it's dark, but the, the rain is like in complete, like it's like in 7.1 surround. So yeah. like when you're sitting in your, <laughs> if you have like a home theater, if you're sitting there, you're in the world. The rain yeah. is around you. And we don't really have rain too much in the rest of the series. I mean, the Lost World has it, but like the rest of the series is pretty much like during the day, nice and sunny which makes no sense for costa rica but 
fine. Um, I shouldn't say that. Like I say that oh, like I've been there. But we also like have the rain in Jurassic Park three towards the end, and then we have the rain Did in we? uh Falling Kingdom. Oh yeah. There's some rain. Is there in some rain in Falling Kingdom? I don't know. I don't remember. Uh I don't remember. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but just it's it's like it sounds great, and then when the yeah. T Rex comes out, it oh. echoes around the room. And like it's the first time that we're seeing I shouldn't say it's the first time we're seeing scale, right? Because you see scale right away with the brachiosaur. Mm. Um you know, in that you haven't really space. been terrified, you know, by that. Scale, you haven't been basically. terrified you know? of scale. And mm-hmm. I think that's what the, t- what this does. Right. Yeah. It's like, okay, fine. We have raptors that are about as big as man. We, we've got a brachiosaur mm-hmm. that's massive, but it's a friendly dinosaur. But like all of a sudden the T-Rex is like, oh, it's dangerous and it's big. Yeah. Like this yeah. is what this movie is going to be. Like, I cannot wait to finish it up. And and the way that they they blend everything from the CG to the the animatronic and the real vehicles, the CG aspects of the vehicles, like and the the acting from from the kids, like Lex and Tim in that moment are just right. brilliant. You know the the glass shattering over them and stuff. Like it's just you can't beat all of that. And anytime it rains, like you think of like. You can you kind of like hear that moment in the back of your head. You're like, oh, this is a perfect moment like to watch Jurassic Park. You know, you're like anytime it's storming, you're like, all right, this is perfect. You hear yeah. like that moment, and you also you also like pretend to be like Nedry in a jeep, like going through the jungle, getting lost out there. Like it's just it's super iconic, and the way that um, there is no music that gives you all this time to to not necessarily think about a score to have to, you know, hear and, and hear how it's progressing. You just get to feel the tension and, and it, it makes it more, ten- more, I guess it just gives it more tension due to the fact that there's no score. So I, I love that moment. So I'd like to beautiful. know like who approached that, right? Because in every movie, when you want to be scared, right, you amp up the music. And I want to know who decided, was it Williams or Spielberg who was like, this scene, let the people be terrified without any cues to make them be terrified you know yeah i i'm sure it's been mentioned somewhere i don't remember specifically but i know i know john williams is pretty good about that usually sure. um so i feel like he's pretty much a good guy when it comes to finding those moments and and not to say that like michael giacchino isn't or anything like that or don davis wasn't but like I don't know. It's film today is just so different that we don't necessarily take all that time to to factor in on just what is happening on screen. Um, I really do wish that would happen more. I mean, it does happen in these these newer movies, but not to the extent that, um, you know, the Jurassic Park did setting up that T-Rex without any kind of music for a while. You know, like even the right, um, you know, the moment um, uh, when they first approached the paddock. And it's just you're just hearing what it's like out in the in the nice daytime um, and then approaching it during nighttime. And it's there's no music again. And it's just it's awesome. Like everything yeah. about that sequence, the scale, the how scary the thing is and uh, the flare. Like there's so many iconic moments from that scene. And um, yeah, it's just it's um, it's one of the unbeatable moments, I think, in this franchise. So it really is. I'm glad yeah. you brought it up because like I feel like <laughs> how do you not how do you not say that sequence and like. It only didn't make it because I just feel like it's that's been a given. But like, a how do you yeah. not talk about it? I know that's why I was kind of like, uh, I was writing up my list, trying to think of things that are a little bit different. Um, but I, yeah, I can't help it, man. I can't help it. Between that's like Malcolm's journey, scene. Malcolm's journey is one that I always bring up as one of my favorite moments, and and this this breakout scene is 
obviously top on almost anybody's list out there. So um, that's how I felt about yeah. the Brachiosaurus scene. Like when I put it on my mm-hmm. list, I was like, really? Like I'm going <laughs> to, this one is so cliche, but like it's, it's cliche for a reason. And it's because they're fantastic sequences. Yeah. Yeah. You can't deny it. It's a, it's beautiful. It's brilliant. And uh, yeah, I really want to go boot up all my, my TV and my sound system and, and Just listen to put it right that now. Sequence I on. watch it right now. Yeah. It's um, so good. <laughs> so let's move on to our last ones. Um, so what's your, what's your last, last pick here for our top five. All right. So I had, I'm going to, I got some honorable mentions. I was going to talk about Giacchino's <laughs> music. Um, I was going to talk about when like the T-Rex like marks its scent on the car in the book, mm-hmm. um, in the oh. lost world book. I'm actually going to go with my official final one. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with something that was, in my opinion, I I hate to say this because I, in my opinion, Jurassic Park is a perfect movie. Like it's, it's amazing. It's my number one (laughs) to anything and everything, but I think they really miscommunicated that movie, how and for how long and when the dinosaurs were breeding like naturally. Mm -hmm. Um, And the book does it so much better. Yeah. And so if you haven't read the book out there, for one, shame on you. You you can get the whole thing unabridged on Audible. Uh, If you sign up and we're not sponsored by them, you can get it for free. Uh, But uh, I think I have them both on Audible, by the way. Yeah, they're fantastic. But the moment the moment that the visitors and the employees are starting to realize that the dinosaurs are breeding is so what they're at the six stegosaur, right? And they're, it's been a while. They're somewhere like out in the park and they're talking about like the dinosaurs breeding and like something. And cause there's like raptors on a garbage ship or something. Mm-hmm. And they realize that the, cause the whole thing is the dinosaurs can't breed. The numbers never come back saying that there's more, they can't mm-hmm. be loose in the, on the Island. There can't be naturally breeding ones. And someone's like, well, like, let's say there's supposed to be, like, 10 raptors, right? They're like, well, put in, like, 11 and see what the computer comes back with. And the computer, you know, they they got their little computer screen in the car, and it's like, okay, fine, whatever. We'll put in 11, and we'll see if there's yeah. 11 raptors. And they put in 11, and it spits out 11 raptors. Uh-huh. He's like, that's not right. <laughs> this, this can't be right. And they put in, like, 12 computer processes, and there's 12 raptors. And then he's like, We'll put in like 20 and it spits out 20 raptors and the whole point of like chaos. And yes, in the movies and in the book, it is, it's very chaotic that it, yeah. it just happened to be the week that a storm was rolling in that the, that the zoo was like half staffed or like only minimally staffed or whatever. But like, this is the point in the book where like Ian Malcolm gets his like, aha, gotcha, <laughs> moment and it's that they realize that the only reason that the computer was spitting out the appropriate number of dinosaurs was because they had programmed the computer to only search Mm -hmm. for how many dinosaurs they had created in the lab yeah and this is the part of the book where you realize because they were only searching parameters of what they had created they were always getting favorable results when it came to dinosaur population and not the frantic realization that oh my god these animals are breeding on their own and then you get the cool scene where 
Mm-hmm. Or you get the cool thing where they go, well, wait, how are they breeding on their own? This is when frog DNA is kind of brought into the story. And it's not every dinosaur. Like the movie makes it out to be that like every dinosaur has frog DNA, which is, I guess, in the movie is probably true. But in the book, that's not true. In the book, it's only certain ones mm-hmm. that are breeding in the wild. And it just happens to be the ones that they used frog DNA. And the raptors just happen to be like one of the like five or six yeah. uh, that are breeding. Um, I think Dilophosaurus was like another one. Um, because you go through that whole thing in the book where like you see the Dilophosaurus like mating ritual dance thing. Um, but <laughs> it doesn't really work that, in film. <laughs> doesn't really work in film. Um <laughs> but that scene is so great and it the scene itself would not work in film yeah. because it's so slow and it's so mm-hmm. like it's so like oh punch these buttons into the computer and yeah. like who wants to like really sit and watch that but in the book it's so good because it goes on for a few pages and it's just like it's this slow realization as the reader that like oh my gosh like this is the this is the this is the hole in the system mm-hmm. you know yeah um I, I wish they would have been able to pull that off a little bit more in the movie, but it's so much more rewarding in the book when you realize and when Ian gets his like, I got gotcha you moment, mm-hmm. like this is the problem. This is the thing that's going to crumble this entire thing is that now yeah. you have no idea how many are out there. You have no idea how to find them. You're screwed. Like mm-hmm. you're they weren't even to like animals breaking out at this point. The, by this point, the park is already closed. This the park is not even opening, and no animals have broken out. <laughs> yeah, you know it's so good. It's it's one of my all time favorite Jurassic Park things. You know, I I honestly almost put this on my list too because when you're when you're thinking about the book, and I, I was trying to think of like I said, all mediums and stuff, and I ended up just going to two different mediums. But um, I wanted to consider something, and I'm like, what can I bring from the book? And that was one of those moments that I thought like. This is something that's so iconic when you get to see that readout, you know, in the book. Yes. And it's just yes. like the way like you have to read this all over and over again. Like and it's just it's super iconic and it's something visually that you can't forget. Um, and it just it changes that story a lot, too. You know, like there's that's like a, an impactful moment where, oh, my God, this is not the way we thought it was. Things are well, totally different now. This is the moment it goes from being a magical park to being, <laughs> oh, oh, no, what? what have we yeah. done? You know, yeah, we're, like we're wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, I love, I love that sequence yeah. in the book. And, and like I said, that, that sequence is before anything goes wrong, like physically, yeah. you know? Um, yeah, I love it. So I think there's yeah. not really much more to say, but no. And it, yeah, you're right in the movie. Um, there's not a whole lot. They, they have like a little conversation with Dr. Wu and stuff like that. And then, you know, later on, you're just like finding dinosaur eggs in the wild and you're, you don't really know what's going on per se. Like what is the full story here? But it's like the way it plays in the movie, especially as like a seven year old, it's like, Oh, the Raptors got out and then instantly laid some eggs, but that's not what's happening. No, what's happening in the movie is that there are Raptors already out. And like, they never really even touch on it because the Raptors we see later in the movie are the ones that broke out of the pen and so it's just super, super weird. They touch on the fact that, the oh, the dinosaurs are breeding, but they're little raptor tracks running away. Yeah. So this entire, t- this entire movie, there's been raptors out, and they don't, they don't go as far to say there's been raptors out this whole time. Like, well, the way I see it is uh, like they 
traversed upon a, a raptor paddock or something like that. So so maybe there's a you know in, in the movie you could but either there, say like there's not taking... a, there's not another raptor paddock in the movie. It's just the whole thing. I know in the in the beginning you can say like yeah they're taking this dinosaur from Sorna, I guess, and putting it here. Or you could say, sure, well, we moved it from paddock A to paddock B, you know, or something like that. So yeah, but Muldoon explains that there's only three raptors left on the island. Like, yeah. So the logic and the the whole logic in the movie of well, they just happen to come across these clutches of eggs. It's like, okay, when did the there had to be one that escaped? Well, here's the thing. Maybe so. What what happens is. Uh, take this as full canon, guys. This is legit. Um, <laughs> is <laughs> for the for the podcast listeners. Aaron just shaking his head. No, don't do that. Um, but uh, so these three raptors plus more, or whatever, were in this pen, and they realized, well, we can't do this. We can't keep them all out here. They're gonna just kill each other. So let's move them to this smaller pen. And they didn't realize that there were eggs out there. Maybe so they move these raptors to the small pen. But left the eggs, I guess. I One had to escape. Oh, you're saying they're inside. So so somehow, you know, because it's near the T-Rex paddock, maybe like the T-Rex kind of, <laughs> this is getting too out of, no, knock down getting... some fences and, and Grant and Lex and Tim kind of traversed their way in between the trees and spotted these eggs that were maybe in between the trees and the park workers never noticed them, so they never took them to the hatchery or anything. So... You know, they moved the, the other three raptors to the paddock, uh, a more controlled paddock where they can literally watch them instead of a, wi a wide open paddock out no, in the wilderness. No, because Muldoon says, we bred six originally, but the this one came in and killed all but two of the others. So there's three now. Yeah. So they know what happened to three of the six raptors. Three of the six raptors were killed. Yeah. Where did this clutch of eggs come from? that's out in either some external paddock or out in the wild, right? Well, they in my eyes, it's from those three raptors, one of one of those three raptors that are now in the small raptor paddock. You know what I mean? Yeah, but those the one of the three raptors that were in the small raptor paddock are in that paddock. They're in the holding pen. They're not in a paddock. They're in a holding pen. In a, yeah, in the raptor pen. Yeah. Yeah, but where are the eggs? The eggs are off... Yeah. On the island. Somewhere. So at one point in the, before the movie started, they moved two raptors into the pen. And then are the movie you, starts and they move uh, the other raptor into the are pen. Are you suggesting that the raptor being moved in the very beginning of the movie <laughs> is not from Sorna, but they're Yeah. The pad the raptor paddock has been so disheveled from this queen coming in. Uh -huh. That they now have to move the six. They now have to move the three remaining raptors from the paddock into a holding pen, uh -huh. so they can repair a paddock. I mean, repairing never crossed my mind, but that's a good aspect. I like that. <laughs> they it's need to repair it. Guys. You know, that's, they the, need, way, we're, that's, we're, that's the logical way this has we're to work. Figuring it out. Yeah, the, the raptor in the very beginning of the movie cannot. Well, one, it's not coming from Sorna because Sorna doesn't exist at this point in the logic <laughs> of storytelling, right? So. Sorna doesn't exist in the writer's room <laughs> at this point. So that raptor has to be coming from either a laboratory on uh -huh. Nublar or it has to be coming from a paddock yeah. on the island that was mm -hmm. destroyed from these raptors killing each other, basically. Sure. And in that paddock, there were eggs exactly. that no one found. Nobody noticed, nobody noticed them because they're in between cool. a tree. Yeah. 
So cool. that's that's what I'm saying. Look at you play Jurassic World Evolution. How often are those raptors breaking down the fences? Pretty constantly. So if if you know they need yeah. to upgrade the fences, they need to change things out. They move the raptors into a place where they can look at them and spot them. I don't know why you put three raptors that are probably going to kill each other into one small pen, but they did it anyway. <laughs> but you know they left the eggs out there. They didn't realize the eggs were out there, and therefore Grant, uh, Lex, and Tim come across the eggs and realize. Uh oh. My this is a new realization for me on this movie. I have to go talk to someone about this. <laughs> well, we're doing it right here. No, no, we're no. Doing you it know live. who I have to go to. You know who I have to go talk to about this. <laughs> go have fun. <laughs> okay. I, I don't know if he's I don't know if he's got a good explanation for this, but I, if if we're I'm talking about Jack Ewins, like I, yeah. Jack and I, like we like to butt heads a little bit on like <laughs> like logic stuff, and he's one of my favorite people because he comes up with ideas that I never thought of, and every time uh-huh. he brings it up, I go, huh, it could happen that way. I guess I don't know, um, but yeah. So the way Jack Ewins sees a lot of things is is really different, and it's it's great, and it's great to have conversations about this. But in my talks with him, we've never talked about where this clutch of eggs came from Mm -hmm. and i cannot wait to talk to him about this we probably have talked i'm sure we probably have mentioned it before but yeah it's just like this thread is just like out of control to try to keep up with so um yeah so that's that's our theory on or my theory i guess on why the raptors uh are are breeding in the wild and we don't really know why but um there you go that's that's adding on to your. oh my goodness i'm so excited (laughs) all right um all right, so I guess we're down to my last pick then, if as long as you're all good with that one. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, all right, uh, all right. So my last pick is kind of, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna split it into like two picks, kind of. Um, I I started to write down two from from Jurassic World live tour. Now I know I, I saved the kind of for the end just in case. Um, People are still thinking about spoilers at this point. I don't really know. We don't really know what the case is with the show uh, currently. But um, yeah, hey, this is the last one. If you don't want Jurassic, yeah, if you don't want Jurassic World live tour, duck out now. There's there's nothing more to this conversation after this. So it's um, it's gonna be real lame and boring after this. Uh, we have nothing else to add. But yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, but... just just head out now if you don't want spoilers <laughs> for that uh, live tour. No, but Jurassic World live tour um, spoilers ahead here. Um, it features two specific moments that I wanted to talk about. Um, sure. And the first one, which I feel like you know. Anytime I've seen this thing three times already, and every time I, I see it, these two moments stand out to me. And the first one is um, the moment. It's kind of like I think it's in the second act. Um, it's when the Stegosaurus kind of trots out onto the the stage. They think like, "Oh my God, is the T Rex coming? Is the T Rex coming?" And no, it's like a, it's a Stegosaurus and it's it's baby. And they both come out and you realize like, oh, my God, these colors are brilliant. Like, what's going on? It's just the moonlight shining on it. What's happening here? And then via the conversation with the characters, there's a bunch of characters, human characters that are down there as well. And they kind of make some remarks about different programs that are happening on the island from like Mizrani and Dr. Blue and stuff like that. And we come to find out that uh, Mizrani, I guess, wanted a nighttime parade down the center of Main Street. Um, and they decided they wanted to utilize like this 
glow-in-the-dark kind of, you know, luminescent quality to these dinosaurs, which we've we've kind of known about via, like, you know, the stuff that was included in the Indominus. There's always, always like, this question about, like, what's in the Indominus and uh, the hybrid aspects of that dinosaur. Uh, and then moving to the Stegosaurus, we learned that, like, they wanted this to be a bioluminescent dinosaur to glow for a nighttime parade. And that's just, like, it's kind of mind-blowing. And that's what we talked about before. And this, this live tour does this in spades is like gives us new places to go new things to do new things to learn about and um and to talk about and i think this moment with the stegosaurus is it's 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 impressive to learn about this new detail but it's also beautiful because you have that moment but you also have another moment happening on the side of the stage with two characters that are like you know kind of you know you don't know if they're in love or not or what's happening there if they like each other um and it's a it's like a nice beautiful reflective moment i think and um it's it's just so awesome it's just so cool to learn those details and to see these characters interact um i i personally love that what did you think of that moment i like it, it when i first saw it and they were like oh bioluminescent dinosaurs or stegosaurs i was like yeah but we haven't seen that before mm-hmm. and like because like, we've seen stegosaur in spades at up to this point now right and we've always seen them for the most part in the daytime um it was something that as soon as they did it i was like eh, i don't like it but they give the explanation <laughs> and i'm like okay i'm cool with that like it makes sense right you keep messing with these genetic code things yeah i almost would have i think i would have preferred something like you know in this, if they would have said something like in the science, we originally we had killed these because we didn't understand what it was for. But like we do, we realized through like the cloning that these stegosaurs naturally had this bioluminescence. Like I think I'd have preferred something a little more written like that. But mm. the sheer concept of these big animals with like glowing blades on its back is is kind of cool. The scene was really beautiful in the actual show. Um, so again, it wasn't anything that like I was like. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I just was like, this is interesting. This is cool. This is, I'm trying to figure out how I feel about it. Um, and I, cause here's the thing. If, if a compy uh-huh. would have been, if they were to shown a compy with this, I'd have been like, yeah, sure. Like, like a small little lizard. Like that makes uh-huh. sense. But because it's like this behemoth of a stegosaur, I'm just like, whoa. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta calm this sci-fi down. And there's, okay. there's no, there's no reason not to go along with it, other than uh-huh. I'm an old man who is curmudgingly not wanting to to move on. But sure, um, yeah, I mean, when when you think about the Indominus Rex and it can yeah. camouflage like clear, like yeah. this was totally a natural progression that I'm I'm okay to accept. I'd like to see it in a film. I don't know if I'd like to see it on something as massive as a Stegosaur. Uh, but I wouldn't mind seeing a bioluminescent, like maybe the crest on a Parasaurolophus or something, like glowing in the dark or, or whatever. I think that'd be really cool. Sure. Um, again, it, it it's not anything I'm against. It's not anything I was like. It was just it was, I don't know. You'd have to like go back to my original reaction to it, I guess, on on that spoiler cast because like, the I've had so much time now removed from it that I'm just uh-huh. like, how did I feel about that? Um, it's it's cool, man. Like I don't. I have nothing again. I have nothing against it. I, I have nothing like crazy for it. I just, it is what it is, and I enjoy it. I guess is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> it really doesn't sound like it. <laughs> it doesn't sound like I'm enjoying it. But I do enjoy it. But your lack of enjoyment doesn't impede my enjoyment. I I, no, I no, just no. love. I love that 
so much. I think it's I think it's beautiful, and I, it doesn't bother me at all because of the Indominus Rex. Because maybe if this was the first one, I would have been like, "Oh, weird, what's going on?" But the way that the Indominus Rex kind of introduces it, and I, I'm trying to—I forget what the uh, uh, the kind of different. Um, oh man, what were the different um, attributes? Uh, you mean attributes? Here. Oh, so it was like. Um, a cuttlefish, tree frogs, like a pit viper snake, apparently. Uh, oh, sure, all, sure, sure. all yeah, these yeah. different things that were utilized, like a cuttlefish, I think was like maybe maybe the cat, uh, catalyst for the camouflage, I think. Yeah, because um, cuttlefish are they can like quickly camouflage. Like you can't even yeah, see them. It's like yeah. crazy. Yeah. So um, so that's that's what made me like okay with this because like the cuttlefish gene was introduced into that, and the ca- the camouflage works you know, subtly in that movie. It's not like too, too overt or anything. Um, but, you know, it's not like the dinosaur literally disappears or anything. Um, but I think I think it's 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 utilized well and it connects the dots. Like it works. It, it doesn't sound like anything too outlandish because, you know, Simon Mizrani was kind of like a dreamer as, as far as what yeah. he wanted to see. And I, and think, I think it kind of checks out. that's why I was able out. to accept it is mm-hmm. because they were saying like this was like a prototype thing, Yeah, you know, yeah, um, and I don't. They didn't. And they didn't move, go forward with it. So who knows? This could be the only one. But I like to think that there's maybe more out there. Other dinosaurs, even who knows? Um, right. And imagine, man, imagine that. Like, th- like that dinosaur was, you know, and the baby or whatever were, were taken in Fallen Kingdom, and, uh, you know, you know, we see them in 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 the next movie. I know this will never happen, but like. Just like, no. you know, having that same moment, uh, which would be unexplained, I guess, because there wouldn't be a character there to be like, well, you know, Simon Mizrani back in the day made this, for, uh, you know, a parade. Um, but that would be a, a pretty beautiful moment to see, like traversing through the moonlight or something. That would be really cool to see. But I know it probably will never happen. No, it probably won't happen. I wouldn't mind it. I think it's a, maybe a little bit more natural on something like a Dilophosaurus. But uh-huh. again, like, like whatever, like the explanation, the explanation is fantastic enough to make me go oh okay like cool like that's where we're at and that's that's fine um they didn't like the way they handled it like didn't like take away anything from like my childhood all it does is really just add something moving forward if if trevorrow ever wanted to like pick it up you know um yeah the, the way they handled it i thought was really really good in the live show Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other other moment that I wanted to the final moment was, um, you know what? Let me throw one more in there. In terms of, uh, we don't really have to talk about it all that much, but in terms of world building and stuff like that, there was a, an adventure zone, and that was one of those things that was like, yeah. oh my god, they have like a treetop adventure course kind of thing. It, it was just cool to see this world expanded. Maybe that's something we'll see in Camp Cretaceous, but like. Uh, yeah. Just any kind of way to expand the world was pretty cool to me. Um, and then uh, the last one was um, the the final moment of the show with the Rex. And I oh. can't, I, I just can't, like, uh, it, it's just, just a moment that, like, blows my mind every time it's happening. And I, like, I, I'm sitting there watching it. My jaw is dropped. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, my God, I want to take all the pictures, all the videos. I want to do all the things. But, like, also capture this with my brain and just, like, remember right. this moment. But, like, right. it's just out of control that they – a new place. We're at a gas station on Isla Nublar, which is really cool to have a gas station for, you know – we had a garage that we talked gotta about. Gotta refuel you know? those trucks somewhere. <laughs> we got a gas station now that these these uh, engine workers are just like, 
our mercenaries are like, let's just light them up and shoot flames out of these (laughs) gas pumps at the T-Rex to try to stop it from going across the rest of the stage to the other characters. And it's just this insane moment. Unlike anything else I think we've seen in the movies, obviously. I we've never gotten anything yeah. that wild, is right? The, is this the first time we see them fight animals with fire? Because I feel like that's a really obvious thing to do, and we've never seen it in a Jurassic yeah, movie. I don't know. Is there um No. I, I can't I can't really think of anything. Um oh well no, no, we're wrong. Uh Jurassic Park three. Um the gas, I guess, from the the boat no then, no no but i'm talking like and the i'm talking gun. like how like when you see like you know survivalist movies right and they light like a t-shirt on a stick mm-hmm. on fire and like, and, like yeah, wave yeah. it at the animal yeah, yeah get away <laughs> get away um sure you know i'm thinking like that no i don't really consider they they fought the spinosaurus with fire like i guess they created a barrier <laughs> but it wasn't like they were fighting with fire and sure sure in this sure. live tour they are fighting with fire it's like, like 20 foot like streaks of fire like go and cr- like they're like ghostbusters on either side of the stage crossing the streams like with their proton packs just trying to stop this t-rex from crossing this it's insane just the fire is just you can feel the heat and there's a giant real life sized uh, t-rex animatronic on stage roaring and trying to back up and not knowing what to do and then it, it, it's causing sparks and explosions behind you and then yes. all of a sudden there's just fire you know it's just it's like unlike anything you've seen from anything Jurassic. It's just so crazy, and oh man, I love it. And I, I, I hope maybe you know I can get to see it again sometime. I don't know. I hope so too. I, I don't want to go into it. It's just crazy what's going on in this world right now. Sure. But, um, yeah that that show is amazing. It definitely. I I hope that we just get through this point in time just as quickly as possible to where these shows can ramp back up because it's it's a crime not to bring that show back out and it's a crime not to to it's a crime to to like have a ticket and then like have that taken away from you yeah you know mm-hmm. um it's it's an absolutely phenomenal show so anybody yeah. who gets a chance to see it once this whole debacle is over please go see it and i, I mean i'm hoping we've seen a lot of good marketing materials from them recently where like there's actual legit real footage of this show, almost like a captured performance. So I don't know. I don't know if that's the case, if they do have anything like that, but that would be beautiful. If, if, you know, if this did have to run its course um, to see something like that on film would be beautiful, but I don't take that. Did we not ask them? Did we not ask them about like a fathom event at some point? And they kind of basically said, we, they said like, no, like we want you to see this, but that's definitely something you say, right? When you're trying to get tickets, I can easily For see sure. like yeah, yeah. if they eventually did like Jurassic world live two or two and like change the story, mm-hmm. I could easily see this one coming as a fathom event for anybody that didn't get to see sure. the first and, run. And I mean, not, I don't, you know, I'm not going to say that these are comparable, but like, you know, Broadway shows do this all the time. And, and uh, you know, Disney just bought the rights for Hamilton and they're going to air uh, when I heard the news, I was like, oh, they're making a movie for Hamilton. But it, no, they're not making a movie. They're literally just taking the footage they shot from the stage production and releasing it as a Disney product. Yeah, sure. so, so that's exactly what I would hope that they did here. And I think if you look at some of the behind-the-scenes stuff that they've they've 
released. There is some really good stuff that was not shot on like a black black box like theater. It's like legit real footage that I'm like, oh maybe maybe they did shoot something. But don't take me you know take my word there. But uh, that's just you know something I, I hope everybody gets the chance to see. Um, sure. If, if you didn't, sorry I spoiled it for you. <laughs> I would give you a warning. So they had their warning. Yep. Yep. But I guess that uh, that wraps up our lists there. So that was that was that was longer than I expected. But you know, when it comes to the two of us, what do you expect? I guess <laughs> we're at two hours. I mean, <laughs> no, we're only hour and a half. We're good. Oh, all right. Well, <laughs> hour and a half. Who's? I can't believe people listen to us for an hour and a half. People do so, and I, I, I guess they enjoy it. So we got to not complain about it. Um, but yeah, man, I. Uh, I feel inspired uh, to to go watch these things, to go uh, enjoy these moments, and uh, oh man, I, I gotta I gotta like fire up the DVD player and just watch some of this stuff because this the all of these moments are incredible, and I, I want to you know revisit the book, you know just to to hear those moments as well that you described. If anybody out there hasn't read the books, like for real, do yourself a favor mm-hmm. and at least go download the audio. Yeah, um, yeah. From Audible, the unabridged versions are absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a few active. versions out there. Yeah. So just, you know, keep your eyes peeled for which ones you're buying. Yeah, 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 definitely. But definitely get the unabridged because the unabridged feels more like the book. And like, I think the abridged versions kind of feel like the movie. And if you're going to go into the book, why not get that full experience, you know, and yeah. get every little detail that you possibly can and, and see where, see where Jurassic world is really pulling its, its, source material from because Jurassic world is straight up pulling from the Crichton books. So you might as well get the source material as, as pure as possible. Yeah. And there's still a lot of stuff out there that, you know, Hey, they could even pull from today. So, uh, I'm interested to see, you know, you know, revisiting these books nowadays after fallen kingdom, it's been a while since I've read them. Uh, I forget when the last time, I think I did the audio books last. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's about time to revisit them. I think. I know the last time I read them was the before Iron Man three. That's all I can really oh boy. remember only because I, I was reading what it while that? like working on that movie. So like, I, I kind of remember it that way, but I yeah. remember listening to the audiobooks a few times after that. So yeah, um, I prefer audio at this point. Um, but that's just me. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining me. Do you want to uh, take us out with uh, any anywhere people can find you or follow you or anything like that? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Aaron D. Beyer, um, talking Jurassic Park there. Uh, you can find me on IMDb just by searching my name and checking out my projects that I've been working on. Um, trying to think the last I, – you know what? With, with how crazy things have been going, I don't even want to say the last thing I worked on because I don't, I don't Who know knows? if it came out. Who knows, who knows at this point <laughs> when it yeah. where who who knows but yeah. um yeah but uh cool, you know man. for any for anybody watching uh the video stream uh make sure to follow us on jurassicparkpodcast.com to keep up with all of our work our, our episodes our our show notes are there videos articles whatever we got going on over there follow us at jurassic park pod um i am at brad jost on twitter uh instagram jurassic park podcast make sure to join our facebook group there's two the questions facebook on there group. yeah Answer the questions. There's questions about who is on the podcast. This group, man. The, na- the names are here. Here's the answers. So just, yeah, answer those questions. We'll let you in. We're having a good time over there. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I, too many people do not answer the questions and we reject them. So answer the questions. But yeah, we have a good time in there. And um, like I said, follow us all over the place. Download the podcast. All I know sometimes our, our YouTube listeners stick to YouTube, don't necessarily download the show. But uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and we are on Spotify as well. So you can listen anywhere you want. But uh, yeah, thank you everybody for, for listening, for watching wherever you are. And uh, we're, we're sorry for those watching. <laughs> Like we said, this is an experiment. We don't know how this went. We'll see after this. But thank you for for sticking around and uh, you know going through our top fives. If anybody out there has top fives that they want to let us know about, shoot us an email, JurassicParkPod at gmail.com, or comment below in the video over on YouTube. Let us know, and uh, and we'll we'll start to chat with you and see what's going on. But uh, thank you so much for joining me today, Aaron. And uh, what do you what do you say we head out of here? All right, let's do it. All right. Peace out, everybody. See it. Thank you so much for listening to the 227th episode of the Jurassic Park podcast. How? I I really don't know how we've gotten to 227. That is crazy. Thank you so much to Aaron for joining me for this top five. I I love doing the top fives. It's very um, rare, I guess, that we do top fives. But whenever I do them, they're just so much fun to do. Um, And with the Jurassic Wire, you know, we we tend to do those at the end of the month. But uh, we always break down the news and what's happening around the community. And instead of just kind of retreading all the shutdowns and the state of the franchise currently, it's it's all a bit dour. So we wanted to focus on the good and, and the positive. So that's why we also want to hear your list as well. We want to continue this trend. We want to stay positive, hear your thoughts, chat about them over on our Facebook group. So please go find that post on the Facebook uh, community page, which you can actually find via our website now as well. Uh, We've always had like a little button on the side of the page, but now you can find it right up there in the navigation. Just search for the Jurassic Park podcast community and you'll find us over there on Facebook. Again, thank you so much to Aaron. Thank you, everybody, for taking a moment out of your hectic, crazy lives right now just to listen to the Jurassic Park podcast. We really, really appreciate it. And don't forget, if you are listening to this on launch day, Monday, March 30th, please join us tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, to watch Jurassic Park together. We're going to have an amazing time together, reliving the past, focusing in on this movie, commentating on the entire thing, and talking about it together. I can't wait for this, and we're going to do this a lot, so keep your eyes peeled. We'll be be doing all the other movies as well, so stay tuned. Now, I'm going to go ahead and hand it off to myself for the outro. Thanks, everybody. Please give us a follow on Twitter at Jurassic Park Pod and myself at Brad Jost. Also on Facebook and Instagram at Jurassic Park Podcast. Don't forget to join the Jurassic Park Podcast group on Facebook. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, our website, or wherever else podcasts are found. So please be sure to subscribe. Also, don't miss our toy hunts and reviews, in-depth bonus content, live streams, gameplay, events and theme park coverage, and so much more on our YouTube channel. 
If you haven't already, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We will read your reviews at the end of every episode, so please be sure to spare no expense. Don't miss us on the web at JurassicParkPodcast.com, where you'll find today's episode show notes, wonderful articles, bios from our contributors, and so much more. If you want to get a hold of us, you can fill out the contact form on our website or email us, JurassicParkPod at gmail.com. We're always looking for new segments, contributors, mailbag submissions, or anybody who just wants to say hello. Feel free to call our voicemail line at any time to leave us a message. That number is 732-825-7763. Thanks for listening, and enjoy! Five minutes. Drop what you're doing and leave now.